I have seen all things done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. Until you find heart or inspiration or something real to sing about, you're just going to be David King's kid. You sing about God in your songs. I sing about things that I'm passionate about, like Rose. Are you Jed King? Yes. I'm Rose Jordan. Nice to meet you. You know, sometimes I think about letting it go. Music. That way I can live right and really live. And if I did sing, it'd only be because I had something to say. About what? Your new song. My new song. Look at him and look at you. And I have everything I ever wanted. Stan added Shelby Bale to the tour. We book a lot more shows and make a lot more money. Do you need more money? Or fans? That moment you felt wanted, and that's a good feeling, isn't it? I can't sing that song, Shelby. It's her song. But think of the music you could write if you just let go and lived. Everything is meaningless. The chasing after wind. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Good? Good? Maybe? Awake? Anyone out there? Okay. All righty. Hey, good morning. It's good to be here with you guys this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Will Pinnell, and I have the honor of serving here on staff as senior minister, and it is good to be here with you guys this morning to bring the word, and I promise that we are going to be in the word of God this morning, but it is going to look a little different. We usually do not play movie trailers before someone comes out to bring the word, but this is a brand new series, as Jillian mentioned earlier, that we are starting today, and we have done this for the last several years. If you've been here, usually during the month of July, we will have our At The Movies series. Church Online, we're glad that you're joining us this year for for At The Movies, and we are going to try something that we've seen a couple other churches do, and they have played the audio but not shared the video due to copyright. We cannot stream clips from the video, and usually Church Online, you've seen a different sermon or you've seen something different during this At The Movies series, but we're going to include you. You're going to hear what's happening, but you're not going to see any video, but we're excited to jump into this series. If this is your first summer with us and you've not been a part of the At The Movies, you might be very confused what's happening and why we're doing this. So I want to take just a moment to explain why we're doing movies at church. The idea behind this started from Life Church years ago. They've done this for for 20 years or so. They have played movie clips in order to see God's workmanship and his fingerprints and culture. 
I think it's the responsibility of us as believers to be able to walk into work and walk into Walmart and walk into the secular world out in the world and see the fingerprints of God, see the story of God unfold in the world around us. And so for a few weeks, we're going to lean on Hollywood and they've spent billions of dollars just for me to have amazing sermon illustrations for the next few weeks. But what a better place to go to to look for the fingerprints of God in our culture than in secular movies. So we usually will do blockbuster movies. We'll do movies that you've probably seen in theaters. And what we want to help you do through this series is train your mind, train your eyes to see God in places that we don't expect him to be. For this reason, we've generally not done Christian movies. I don't have a problem with Christian movies. Many of you have recommended we do some, a couple Christian movies that you really enjoy through the series, and we haven't because we want to really help you see how God is evident even in the secular movies and in the world today where, where it's a little harder to see him. So we've tried to do non-Christian movies on purpose. Back in February, though, I sat down with the staff. We had a staff retreat and included our spouses, and it was a, a grand old time. And I shared with them my preaching calendar for the next year. I spent a lot of time in prayer and developed a, a rough outline of where we're going to go from July, from this point, through June of next year. And I sat down and I shared that with the staff, and we were brainstorming, and we were trying to figure out overall themes and how we're going to communicate this message in an organized way that makes sense and, and keep it consistent, and, and we're trying to figure out a lot of the logistical pieces, and as we did that, that informed a lot of the decisions that we made when it came to what movies we're going to show and we're going to talk about for this series. And even though we generally do secular movies that you'll see out in Hollywood and you'll see portrayed other places, and I just kept coming back to this one Christian film. It's called The Song. Has anyone seen it? The S-O-N-G, The Song. Hey, not many people. It's not one of those popular Christian movies. I didn't think many of you would see it. It's actually a really good movie. Uh, oddly enough, I'd probably call it one of my favorite movies. I don't watch it a, a lot on repeat or anything, and it doesn't fit the category of my other favorite movies, but it's, it's a really good movie. Uh, the plot line, in fact, mirrors the plot line of the book of Song of Solomon, do I have you intrigued now? <laughs> it mirrors the plot line of Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes is read as a narrator throughout this movie. And, and I just kept coming back to, to this idea of this movie and sharing it with you this morning. You saw the trailer of it, so you have an idea of what happens. And, and in the movie, it's, it, it really centers around the main character of Jed King. Jed is the son of David King, who was a famous musician, and, and he really hit it big with some music. And he followed the typical cultural lifestyle of many musicians, and he got into alcohol and drugs and party scene. And, and to make a long story short, he has an affair with a married woman, a guy that is in his band or he's really good friends with, that he's really close to, and and his world just falls apart. And in the aftermath of that, that's where Jed is born. And it's, it, it shows the change that happened in David King over time. It shows him being a good father and stepping into this role. It shows him building a, a porch or a, a, 
a porch or a deck with his son, Jed King. It shows him teaching him music. And as it would turn out, Jed has more musical talent and ability in his little pinky finger than his father, David, had. But something is missing. You saw the, the clip in there where the manager said, You're, you just haven't found that thing inside of you to, to base your music on, to, to fuel the energy, to, to, to really come through in your music. And so he, he has music, he, he does concerts, and people clap, and they're polite. But when he plays one of his dad's songs, I mean, they, they applaud, and they are, they are here for it. And he just hasn't found that, that thing inside of him yet. And he goes to do this small concert. It's a fall festival at a small family vineyard. And he shows up, and the last thing he ever imagined happening happens. He finds a girl. He finds a girl, and like most musicians at some point in their life, so I assume, he gets up on stage and he actually sings a song to this girl. Don't lie, Eric, we know you've done that for Jillian from time to time. I'm sure of it. But he sings a song for this girl, and over time he falls madly in love with her, and they get married. And the morning after their wedding, he finds that thing inside of him. Check out this clip of the song that he wrote the morning after the wedding.
The Jed thrives. The song takes off, the concerts take off, and, and Rose goes with him for a while. But then she gets pregnant. Her dad starts to not do so well, and someone needs to look after the vineyard, and, and so she starts staying home. And the concerts get bigger, they get further away, and every mile it seems like he travels further away just increases the separation between him and Rose. It doesn't take long before the popularity of this song starts to plateau, and so the manager brings someone else to tour with Jed, and Shelby Bale joins the tour. And the less time that, that Jed and Rose spends together, the more time Jed and Shelby start to spend together. And I'm guessing you can figure out where this goes. One night in a moment of weakness, Jed and Shelby sleep together. And the next day at the concert, he tries to play this song that he wrote for Rose, and he has a panic attack on the stage, and he just can't do it. Shelby comes backstage and gives him something to take the edge off and help calm him down. And this begins a spiral of drug dependence and alcohol abuse and the same road his dad took years ago. Doesn't take long before Rose figures it out and kicks him out of the house and he and Shelby start living together and, and in a dark moment of desperation he attempts to take his own life. He wakes up in a hospital room to see Rose sitting there only to have her put the engagement ring and the wedding band on the table and walk out the door. It's the low part of his life. It's the low point of the story where it just can't get any worse. There's a lot of aspects of this movie that we could talk about. I mean, it's based in Scripture. There's a lot of different things that we can talk about. It, but what I, what I want to draw out of the movie today is, is something that I feel like I and Jed have a lot in common Throughout the movie, what was evident to me more than anything was this internal conflict that I could just feel in Jed. Knowing what he wants, but being pulled another direction. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says, For I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do. I do what I hate. We've all been there before, haven't we? Even if you're not a Christian, I'm sure you've been there before where you know you should do this one thing. Option A, you know you should go this direction. You know this is the right thing to do. In the long run, it's going to be the better option. But something about option B over here just pulls you to it. Maybe it's easier. Maybe it'll be a little more fun. And we feel this conflict within us. Uh, Paul describes it in Galatians. For us as believers, he, he clarifies what this is. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. When we give our lives to Christ and the Spirit of God comes within us, there's this battle happening inside of us, the, the conflict between the Spirit and the flesh. What God is calling us to, what Jesus is calling us to, right living and, and what our fleshly desires want. And they live in conflict with each other. And we feel this conflict. In fact, we should 
feel this conflict our entire lives as Christians. I gave my life to Christ when I was 10 years old, and I remember it like it was yesterday being at church camp the year before when I was nine and and thinking, I I need to give my life to Christ. Uh, My dad's a minister. He's been a minister my whole life, and I grew up in church. I knew who Jesus is and what the scripture said, and I, I knew what this looked like, but something at church camp that week, what the speaker said, drew me in in a way I hadn't been drawn in before. And I went home, and my dad wanted me to wait a little bit, and and I actually wrote a letter to make sure that I could go back later and I know that I, I knew what I was doing when I was 10 years old. And I didn't understand it completely. I didn't know everything that I was doing in that moment. But I go back and I, I, I've, I've read that letter and I'm like, you know, I, I did get it on some level what was happening. And I've grown in my faith ever since. And if I live to be 80 years old and I have 70 years of a, as a believer in this world, there will come a point, there will come a point where I learn very little from reading this book. And many of you have been believers for, for many years and there's really nothing I can say up here from, from this book that, that's going to be new to you. Nothing that's going to be this great revelation that you've never heard before. You're, you, you, you can't always be growing in your knowledge of God. There reaches a point where we just can't know much of anything more. But there's never a point where we can look in the mirror and see so much of Jesus looking back at us, looking back at us, that we think, you know what? I think I'm good and I can coast now for the rest of my life. It's that struggle of the spirit and the flesh within us trying to be more like Jesus because that's what he's called us to do as believers, as Christians, knowing the right thing to do, but feeling this struggle in us because we are of this world. And as long as we live in this world, we are going to be struggling. We should be struggling. I can fight for weeks for this one area of my life to look more like Jesus. But if I concentrate on one area, I can get pretty close in that one area. But there's a hundred more that aren't looking as much like Jesus as they need to. Look, I know that probably more Sundays than not, you might walk away from a message that I preach feeling a bit challenged, feeling a bit poked and prodded, feeling a little convicted. But I promise you, as I've been putting those messages together, I felt it more. Because we all have such a far, far, far distance to go. Knowledge is important. We need to read this book and and know God in a deeper way. But we call it orthopraxy, practicing our faith, practicing and living it out. And that's the piece that we will never get to a point in this lifetime, in, on, in this world, where we can say, okay, I'm good. There will constantly be a struggle in one area of our life or another. As long as we are intentional about it, there will always be a struggle where we could be doing better. And that's the, that's the struggle, right? That's what's so hard. That's this piece of, we want to be more like Jesus. 
And yet we live in this world tempted by the flesh, tempted by the things this world has to offer, and it's hard. Look, the last thing I ever want to happen is for you to walk away from a message or a series and just feel so beaten down that you just don't see how it could be any better. Because the reality also is Paul continues in Roman, he, he continues to talk about the struggle that we face internally, and then he gets to chapter 8, and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We should feel this struggle, we should feel this wrestling inside of us always to, to be in the spirit more, to, to pursue the spirit more than the flesh, but when we call on the name of the Lord, there is no condemnation. I pursue a relationship with Jesus. I pursue looking more like Jesus, not because my salvation is dependent on it, not because forgiveness is dependent on it, not because anything is dependent on it, but because Jesus gave everything for me. It's the literal least I can do. It's the least I can do to want to be more like Jesus, to want to pursue Jesus more in my life. And we're going to fail. I fail constantly, it seems. But God looks at me and he says, I, I love you. It's not dependent on, on what you have done or, or did wrong, but what I did for you on the cross. And we can rest in that while still, still intentionally waging this war within us to pursue the Spirit more. What we see in this movie as it continues and at the very end is that there might be a glimmer of hope for Jed to restore things with Rose. He's on the phone with his son at one point and that festival is coming up. The festival's coming up, and, and, and his son wants to tell him when it is, and he looks to his mom, he looks to Rose, and says, when, when is it again? And you can tell with this moment of pause that she's contemplating whether she wants Jed there or not. But he, she does tell her son the date, and, she, and he tells Jed. And there's this glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, things will be getting better. But a couple days later, he gets a visit from an old friend, his manager, who says, hey, you have another chance if you want it. There's an opening, and I can, I can get you in it if you want to, to pursue your music career again. It happens to be the same day as the festival. Which one do you think he chooses? Like many of us, he chooses to go back to the same thing that he's done wrong over and over and over again. Because this battle is so hard. And he goes back to pursue his music career, and he thinks he, thinks he can actually have it all, that he can, he can do it right this time with his music career and get Rose back. But it's during this song that something changes. Let's see if you can see it as we see this next clip.
I think it just repeated there. Um, do you see that point at the end? Do you see that point where as he's singing, he's actually hearing the song, the words that he's singing, and realizing that it is all nothing. Paul continues that section in Galatians, speaking to that internal struggle that we feel in verse 25 of chapter 5. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, if we, if we say we're Christians, if we've given our life to Christ, if we call on the name of the Lord, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And man, that's a lot harder said than done, isn't it? Done than said. There's this constant battle that we face within us And when we go to the Word of God, sometimes we just need to actually read the words that we're reading and be convicted in our heart of the same mess we keep falling for over and over and over again. Jed ends up leaving in the middle of it and hangs it all up. And he goes to the festival and he, he tries he tries to speak to Rose and say, I, I left it all. And she, 
doesn't buy it. We're going to do something a little different as we wrap up and enter our time of communion this morning. Um, I hope that you have a communion cup with you. If you're in person, church online, I hope that you have something with you to have communion in this moment. I have found in my life, as reflected in this movie, that, that sometimes the best way of remembering and being reconnected to those initial feelings, regardless of, of what it is that we're facing, regardless of the struggle, is to go back to that place where it all started, just like Jed did. Uh, this is why we have communion every week, to remember where it all started, to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is where it all started. It, it started in the Old Testament. It started before that, but, but it was the death and resurrection of Jesus that validated everything that happened previously. It all starts with the cross and the empty tomb. And sometimes we just need to be reminded why and go back to the place where it all started. So what we're going to do for our time of communion is we're going to commune together with each other and with God. What I'd like to ask you to do, I'm going to pray in just a moment for our time of communion. What I'd like to ask you to do is gather in a group of three, four, five people who are around you and spend maybe 30 seconds telling where you were when you were convicted and cut to the heart of the message of Jesus Christ. Were you listening to a sermon? Were you at camp? Were you talking with a friend? What, what happened when you realized the need in your life for Jesus? I don't want you to share that. Just real quick, real briefly with the people in your group. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't given your life to Christ yet, I, just listen. Listen to the stories of others as they recall where they were when everything changed for them. And then in your group, someone have a prayer for your group and take communion together as we commune together with each other. Father God, I am so grateful for the sacrifice of your son on the cross, for it not being dependent on me or anything I do or, or don't do, that God, that there is no condemnation for those who call on your name. Lord, I apologize for the number of times that, as the scriptures put it, I return to my own vomit. I make the same mistakes over and over, and God, I apologize that when I look in the mirror, I don't look as much like your son as I should by this point. But God, I pray that you'll remind us all in this moment of where it started. Remind us all in this moment of of what convicted us, of what we heard from your spirit into our soul that got our attention. God, in our sharing, may other people be encouraged, and in this moment of communion, may we commune together with each other and with you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.